is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports Station. And Brooke Wire, you are. And Brooke, you are. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Streaming audio and video on the Seattle Sports app. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Let that fire, fire, let that fire. Kind of looking forward, Brock. We're only, what, two weeks away, basically, from the start of spring training. About 16 days, something like that, from four pitchers and catchers. And then a couple days after that, full squad. And then we'll be down there for the final week in February. We're looking forward to that. Mm. Mm. And a big move yesterday made by the Mariners, Jerry DePoto, joining us right now to discuss. Jerry, we haven't spoken to you in forever. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, guys. How's your, uh, how's your winter been? Busy. kind of kind of busy we've not had a coaching change in like 14 years so that is just uh that's new on the other side of the street and then it feels like jerry it's been a much more active off season for you guys certainly than maybe a few of the uh, off seasons prior Uh, we're always busy you know just trying to find ways to get better one step at a time and this uh this off season has probably been a little bit more of a winding path than than most before it but you know, I, we wake up and I like where we sit as we head towards spring training. How uh, how did this Polanco deal come to be? Uh, came to be, I would say, through sheer will on the part of Justin Hollander. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, this has been a long time in the making. We have had conversations with the twins about Jorge Polanco dating back to 2021. And, you know, we were finally able to get it across the, the line and, you know, a ton of credit to Justin for hanging in and constantly working the phone and having more conversations about how this could possibly come together than than is reasonable in any trade discussion. And, you know, in this particular case, it's a it's a player we just feel fits perfectly in what we're trying to do. What does that look like when you say just sheer force of will on Justin's part? When how many phone calls is hello, that? What, what, hello, who's there? Uh, yeah. Hollander on line one. Hello, I mean, like, what hello, are, what who's there? They, Hollander on line two. What do those conversations sound like? How many different types of proposals do you like? What does that mean? Oh boy, I can't even count the number of different uh, names and machinations that might have been uh, involved in this over time and, and through the years. Some players, frankly, that don't play for us anymore, and um, but, but were part of conversations back in 2021. And you know, in this particular instance, I, what does that mean? I would say probably no less than a hundred phone calls over the course of time, and and, and just sticking with it. Um, you know, I, I've, I've had many conversations with some of the leaders from the Twins, and, and fortunately, Justin has a wonderful relationship with, with some people in the Twins front office. And, and I think on this one, relationships won out. They just kind of stuck with it until the ice broke. How would you characterize the, mov- the movements of the entire league this offseason? Uh, you know, it's been, it's been a weird uh, – it's been a weirdly active offseason, despite the fact that there's still – quite a few free agents, you know, still out there looking for, for work. And, and I suspect it's going to be a very active two, three weeks leading into spring training because of that. Let's get back to Polanco here for, for a moment. What is it that has attracted you guys to him for so long? You know, he, he does all of the things that we value very highly. He is He manages the strike zone well. He's always been uh, an on-base threat. He has power. He's been a 30-home run hitter in a in a really a difficult ballpark to hit. Um, you know, it's Minnesota is not naturally among the the best places in the league to hit. 
He's virtually split neutral from the left and right side. He has power from both sides, hit the ball hard, has some hit ability and feel to move it around the field. Uh, he's, uh, it's, he has on rates been about as good as, as a second baseman in our league has been over the last three or four or five years, you know, based on on-base slug, OPS, you know, WRC+. Plus. You know, put him in, put him in the, the the conversation with some of the better performers at his position in the league, and, and he's done it in a town where you don't get a ton of attention. So, you know, as a result, maybe he's not a household name for many people, but we think he's a really good player. I know Justin had mentioned the injury history, and you guys have done done your homework on that in in you know big big ways. How would you kind of look at maybe his previous few years and some of the injuries and the and the bug that has bit him there, and what that could project to here moving ahead? Uh, you know, I mean, I guess it, past injury certainly it projects to concern for future injury. But if you play the game for long enough, you're going to have an injury history. That's just the way it goes. And and Jorge's 30 years old. He is in tremendous physical condition. We don't think the the injuries that he's dealt with, particularly hamstrings, are particularly ominous as we move out into the future. And and the bigger issues that he's dealt with, they've, they've been effectively taken care of uh, in, in the past. And we have no reason to believe that, that he won't show up in post because, you know, while last year was a fractured season for him and playing time, he finished strong. And that was more the anomaly. You know, it, typically he's a guy that posts and gets out there and, and does his work. And do I understand he's got a pretty good workout partner in Tampa that he trains with? Is that true? Well, he's got a good team of workout partners. He hits with Julio um, and among others. And it's a, it's a star-studded cast that hit together in Tampa during the, the winters. And, and Jorge's among them. And, you know, I, I imagine that, that the relationship that he's developed with Julio over time is going to be a benefit as he – as he joins our clubhouse and, and we've always received tremendous feedback on, on the type of person he is, his leadership qualities, just general work ethic and positivity. So, you know, really excited to put him with our group. Have you talked to Julio much this off season? And, and I had told uh, Justin Amora to not let me get through this interview without making me or reminding me to ask you about him. Cause I think he, he, for whatever reason, as we focused on what the team is doing in general, We've almost forgotten to talk about the next steps for Julio and how he can continue to put this team on his back over the next few years. Where do you think Julio's at coming into this season? Uh, you know, I have. I've, I've, I've spoken with him. I spent some time with him, and uh, I, I'm thrilled with where he is. And I know more recently, you know, Scott had an opportunity to visit with him down in Tampa just a, a couple of weeks ago. And he is in a tremendous place. I think right now Julio is focused on, on the right things. He's, he's focused on, on taking that next step as a player. Maybe most importantly, he's focused on taking that next step as a team leader, which is an exciting thing is, uh, you know, watching him mature as a, as a person and as a player uh, over these last couple of years has, has really been fun. And, and my sense in spending some time with him this off season is that he is really, you know, chomping at the bit to take the next step and, and be, you know, a, a, a center point in a clubhouse. And, and I think that's a, you know, that's a big thing for, for such a young player, but he's, 
he has accomplished so much in his time in the league, and and I think his teammates respect both what he does on the field and how he prepares. and And I'm excited to see what that next step looks like for him. Hey, if we were to back up a couple of months to the beginning of your off season and start, you know, if we were in your meetings as you guys were preparing your goals, here's what we want to accomplish over the course of the next few months before we get to spring training. What were your goals, and and how did you set about accomplishing them? Uh, you know, I we're our mantra this off season was just find a way, find a way to get better, and you know, however that that exists, uh, we we did not want to move off of our starting pitching. Uh, we really believe in that group, and you know, we managed to get to this point, and and we've not touched it, and I think that's that's exactly where we hope we'd land, and I think we got better. We found a way. Um, you know, we wanted to string out a longer lineup. We wanted to create depth and options and alternatives. And I, and I think we've managed to do that. Um, you know, I, I feel very confident in saying that, that the lineup depth, one through nine, any given day, the impact from both the left and right side, the, the track records. We just have, there's more predictability to our offense than there has been in, in quite some time. And, you know, we did slightly, if ever, uh, improve our contact rates. And I think that's naturally going to get better as some of our younger players, you know, continue to grow. And, you know, while we did open up a hole in our bullpen with this last trade, I feel like by and large from the starting five to the back end of our bullpen, with Brash and Mooney and Spire, I feel like we're in really good shape uh, across our 13-man pitching staff, and and I've never been more confident in the depth and and complete look of an offense as this one. Does it feel like Jerry from from our purview here? It feels like 29 other teams in baseball doing similar to you guys, where they're holding on to their strengths holding on to their young difference makers, holding on to, hey, this is who we are. And, and, you know, maybe 10 years ago, we were more willing to move some of these pieces. Does it, at least from my seat, does it feel like 29 other teams have taken some of that same strategy as you guys have? Uh, I, you know, I don't know if it's really changed through the years. It's uh, Teams have, have generally always shown a preference to to, to build around a core, and, and that core is almost always going to be comprised of young players or players that came through your system, and, and then you build around it. And, you know, some teams get more aggressive in, in one area of player acquisition than another. You know, we've, we have our niche, and we, we lean into it, and that's what we do. You know, I, I think about uh, you just say opening up a hole in the bullpen with the Topa trade, and I'm sure it was difficult for you guys to give up on on Justin after what he did last year and coming off of giving up on Paul. Not that you wanted to give up either guy, but had to in order to make the deals you made. What does that look like to try to replace some of that productivity, especially in the leverage you know portion of your bullpen? Well, we're very confident, like I said, and and those three guys that man the back end, and you know Mooney and Brash and and Gabe Spire, who very quietly had an awesome year for us last year. You know, we've got our bullet, our our pivot man, and, and Sauce, and I think that group is is you know we're, they are both experienced in the back end, and they are coming off good years, all four of them. And, and, you know, the challenge now exists to find a way of taking that group and matching it up 
with the guys that give us a little more length, you know, the Trent Thorntons and the Austin Bots. That's a, in, the, in between there, we have a variety of big power arms that we've picked up this offseason. Guys like Carlos Vargas. Uh, we, we have Perlander Barroa in-house, Jackson Coar. We've picked up a, a couple of guys on small deals through the course of the winter that we're excited about. And we've generally done very well in this area. And, you know, somewhere among Vargas and Coar and Barroa and Butri and Kreibel, and we are, we are going to turn up something of a gem uh, we've always been able to do that and i'm very confident in our pitching people and in the arm talent that each of those guys brings to the table just on that same subject what about sort of the starting depth where where are you guys at with start because i know when de sclafani was brought in that was part of the thinking there what what does that now look like yeah, you know, I think while it takes a ding moving Tony out the door, he's he was by far the most experienced of of the the next group of starters we had after our front five. You know, we still have Austin Bopp, who has done a really nice job of bouncing between the the rotation and the bullpen, and and when given an opportunity to start, he's actually been you know quite effective as a major league pitcher. And, uh, he's he's in that mix. Uh, probably going to line up as our swing man to start the season if if everybody's healthy. Uh, similarly, we've stretched out Trent Thornton, who has a history as a starter, and you know we're going to give him the opportunity to come in and and showcase his ability to provide length. Uh, we've got a healthy Emerson Hancock coming back for the start of spring training, which is a real positive. You know, we've got the reliable strike throwers like a Tyson Miller and a Darren McCacken who are lined up uh, to start in AAA. And, and I feel like we're in pretty good shape there. You know, to, to start the season feeling like your depth chart in the starting rotation is, is at least 10 deep, you're going to use, you know, 9 to 12 guys in a blink. So having, having those guys at the ready – and we feel like there's a next wave, you know. There's a couple of, of younger pitchers who are going to start the season in Double A, who are very high on guys like Reed Van Scoter and Jimmy Joy. So we feel like can really help out. I love that mantra. Find a way, as you said that. I wrote down the name Mitch Hanniger. How big a deal was getting Mitch back in the fold for both the clubhouse, the organization, and just his leadership? Yeah, it was fun, and uh, I was maybe the the most pleased I've been all off season was, was hearing how pleased he was uh, with the idea of coming back. So uh, it's, uh, I think it is good for our young players. It's good for the guys who've been in the clubhouse with Mitch because they know what his preparation and, and diligence, the Mitch takes it seriously. Uh, and I think that's something that, that really helps our clubhouse. And it was a void that we were missing last year. So, um, you know, it's, I think in that way, it's a real positive. I'm also pretty confident that a healthy Mitch Hanniger makes us a lot better offensively. And, you know, right now he's in a good place. I can't wait to see where he's at. He's already down in Peoria working out and, and ready for the start of spring training. So excited to see what he looks like on the field as well. I think of everything you've said in the last 15 minutes, that's probably the least surprising thing that he's already there getting ready, training, <laughs> making sure he's on top of it. That's like the most Mitch Hanniger thing I could imagine. Jerry, uh, we uh, appreciate you taking the time today. It's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting off season. It doesn't look like some of the others we've seen here, but excited to see what it looks like when we get down to Peoria and see what it, uh, how it plays out on the field. So thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. 
You got it, guys. All I'll right. see you. There you go. There's Jerry Depoto, uh, Mariners president of baseball operations, after making the deal yesterday <laughs> to acquire Jorge Polanco from the Twins, a deal that they've been looking to make for a few years now. Uh, I got a lot to react to there, Brock. Um, mm-hmm. Let's do a quick need to know. And then we'll come back. And Jerry said three words that I think say everything and answer almost every text we received during that segment. Tell you what those were right after Need to Know. Need to Know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, you just heard it from Jerry Depoto. They've got themselves a legitimate full-time second baseman, Jorge Polanco, acquired yesterday from the Twins, 30 years old. He does have a little bit of an injury issue, an injury history, but when he's healthy, he can really play baseball. He gets on base. He's got some pop. He plays second. He's a switch hitter. He gives them a lot of lineup flexibility and depth. I like the deal. I don't like giving up Justin Topo because Mm -hmm. I think you've created a new problem for this team. And I understand Jerry's view that, hey, you got a lot of young players and pitchers and they've had success, but there's a little risk factor there. And you would hope that there was a way to just keep one of your veteran pitchers around. But ultimately, they felt like this was a hole they needed to fill, and that's what they ended up doing. As the extrovert that I am, I'm going to call you out on something. Oh, okay. we gotta, we got to find new words. You, the, 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 it's, you're, you're right. They gave up on him. They moved him. I don't like they gave up on him because I don't think they wanted to give up yeah, on him. Yeah, I think I should have just said gave up. Yes. Yes, they gave up. They, they, they had to move a valuable piece to get mm-hmm. a better piece back. They gave like up if, on Jared Kelman. Yes. They gave up Justin Topo. There you go. I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah, I'll is that, take, is that I'll, fair? I'll accept that. I think that's okay. kind of oh, what I'm I appreciate. Trying to say. Oh, good. Well, that's what two experts can do. We can find common ground <laughs> in that as we move the, the conversation along. I know those three words that you like. They resonated with me as well. There's going to be a whole bunch to react to mm-hmm. from Jerry. We'll do that in about ten minutes or so. But of all the moves this off season, this is the one that made my water move a little bit more than others. This one and the Luke Rayleigh one down in Tampa. Like I think these are two of the guys that I want. The contact guys, professional hitters. They got a little bit, bit of pop. Rayleigh is obviously younger. He's, he's a tremendous, big, athletic guy. But I think of Brant Brown. We didn't even get to that with Jerry. But I think of what, you know, in finding a way of, of, of winning games. And Brandon said, listen, we're going to do whatever it takes. And Jerry just said, our, our, our lineup is longer. It's more versatile. It's more pliable than it has been. And sometimes you look at all these different names and switch hitters. And they hit right, they hit left. Being able to move things around to win that game on that night to do the little things. I think Polanco, a valuable asset in that. Here's the second thing you need to know. Yeah, this uh, Seahawks coaching search, it feels like we've been waiting on this now for quite some time. We have, three weeks. Yeah, it's been a while, and you're down to just two openings left with Washington and Seattle being the last two. Sounds like the Seahawks talked to Ben Johnson yesterday or talking to Mike McDonald today. I would have to imagine after that, you got to make a decision sometime within the next 24 to 36 hours or so. Adam Schefter uh, yesterday said that this may not be as close to done deals as people think. And then Ben Johnson's also in playing Seattle. So you have to see, okay, well, if he doesn't get Washington, is he then in Seattle or does Seattle pull an upset? Again, people have, people have said here that they think Ben Johnson's going to Washington and Dan Quinn is going to Seattle. Yes. And I will bet you, I will bet you that at a minimum, one of those is not right. Hmm. At a minimum. 
Maybe, maybe both. Yeah, I would not bet with Adam Schefter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's called insider trading, I think, mm-hmm. at that point. So I'm not going to make that deal. Ian Rappaport went on to give the third name, Mike McDonald, and say that may be a big reason why they haven't done anything yet. My understanding with Seattle is there is a lot to like here. In fact, had the Ravens won, the Seahawks would have been willing to wait until after the Super Bowl just to speak with him. Obviously, nothing is done. Just I would say there's some mutual interest there for Seattle and for McDonald's. Oof, that would have been just death. If you had to wait till after the Super Bowl, because again, remember the timing of that. That gives you just a mere few days to make a decision there on Gino. So, no, this was good news for the Seahawks. It was good news for our show, Salk. I mean, yes, you know, Mora did sleep in last week. Yes, True. Mora booked a guest for the wrong day. But can we celebrate Mora Dooley? She's the people's champion in she our is. building. She won. The playoff bracket. Oh, Maybe yeah. that's why. Maybe she oh, was celebrating so late right. into the Who hours last night. Yes. It would make sense. Yeah. That's yep. exactly right. Champagne. And I do get to go to a Kraken game because of that. So it's too bad you guys weren't nicer to me. Maybe someone <laughs> would get to go with me. Congrats, Maura. Congrats. Maybe you can bring that guy Brock thinks you're dating. <laughs> Here's the third thing you need to know. Hey, speaking of Kraken games. You want to go on a date with Maura to a Kraken game? <laughs> Text me no. an 866 oh, <laughs> No, don't that. Let's move it along here. Kraken back to it tonight. They're in San Jose. They actually uh, have points in three straight games. The Sharks are very bad, so you'd sure like to uh, collect two more points tonight. With you know, what I, you yes. know what I was doing the other night? Watching First the time I've ever done this. No, I went to the stat page because yeah. Joey Decord, and he's not little. He's 6'2", 200. I'm not going to call him little Joey oh, Decord, good. even though it kind of fits, but he's not. He's big no. Joey Decord. He's tall. Yeah. And he's super active. Most the most active goalie that Salk has seen in person in his life. And he still is. True. No, he's, he's not the most active. He's right Ron up there. Ron Hextall's still number one. And he's still like top five in save percentage, mm-hmm. top five in goals against per game. He's doing an awesome job. You ever look at plus minus in hockey? It's a big stat in basketball. It's become a bigger stat the last 10 years in basketball. You know why it's become a big stat in basketball? Why? Because it's been in hockey forever. Has it really? It's okay. It's a hockey stat that they've started to develop in basketball. Have you looked at the plus minus of the Kraken? Uh, No. It it will blow your mind. I think. I think it'll blow your mind. I I was shocked. I was like looking at all the familiar names that we talk about and need to know. The Everleys. The the Bjork Strands. Yes. And the McCanns, all the goal scorers. I guess it's either. Done? Is it done? I, I don't have that oh. right here in front of me, but it was it was a defensive player. It was not in any Dunn of the. Donner fr- Borgen would have been my two guesses. I mean, there were a lot of guys who were like negative seven, negative eight, negative yeah. six, negative like a lot of negatives. Yeah. Well, they had a, a really bad stretch this year. Yeah. Didn't they lose like fifteen straight games or something? I mean, like no. they struggled. Yeah, they did struggle. That's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour. Here on the Brock and Salk Show. Well, I need to clarify something. Now I want to find out. You go do that while I clarify something. Okay. okay? Let me clarify something. I'm very proud of my geography. I am. You know, I played a lot of where in the world is Carmen Sandiago. Like I have learned and I feel like I'm pretty good geographically. Baltimore, very south of Detroit. Mm. I will own that. It is very much east, but it is also very much south. And I should have known that because I did a Maryland game this year for the first time on campus down there in maryland and i should have known it's a whole lot closer to the south in virginia than it is to uh, detroit and that is where the vulcan plane mm-hmm. is at this morning john and crew interviewing mr mcdonald i think he is intriguing and i do hope over the next 24 to 36 yep. we have a new head coach all right so here's what you uh hear thomas thomas Tata, tatar yes that's who it is, is number one yes, he, he was is. acquired you know recently mm-hmm. 
That's mm-hmm. uh, when they took off. Then it's Tanov and Alexiak, then Brian Dumoulin, and then Everly Larson. The two guys I said, uh, Vince Dunn is a plus one, and yep. Will Borgen is a straight zero. A straight Lowest zero. on the team is Jaden Schwartz, then Matty Beneers. Yeah, look at Beneers. No, negative 11. Now, Yikes. one thing you should note, though, is special teams don't count. Okay. So if you power play and penalty kill don't count to your plus minus, I, I believe oh, somebody check me on that. But I am 99 percent sure All that right. that doesn't count. So a guy like McCann, who generates a lot of goals on the power play, none of those count ah. towards his plus minus. Gotcha. Right. So, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Hey, did we congratulate more on our championship, by the way? I think of all did. the hosts, all the producers, everybody in the building. Yeah. We all had to put together a playoff bracket. And who won it? The person who, like, has mastered fantasy football? Yeah, that's not a huge surprise. I would have said she was the odds-on favorite when it started. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I did see on the uh, show sheet for Wyman and Bob yesterday, I haven't got to listen yet, but under their What's Bugging Bob segment, Uh, I think think me beating him. Well, him and Wyman, because they were the two behind Mm -hmm. me, I believe. So that was Bugging Bob. We should go back and listen to that. Yeah. Probably. Bob's taking shots at you for beating him. Yep. Sheesh. I mean, a few years ago in his prime, maybe. But now, I mean, I think it's sort of to be expected. All right. Coming up, three words from Jerry DePoto that answer most of the texts we received during that segment. It's next on Brock and Salk. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Mariners make a big deal yesterday as they trade for Jorge Polanco, second baseman from Minnesota. We spent a while today talking about who he is, why they dealt for, dealt for him. Uh, and I recommend if you have a moment or two, go back and listen to the Phil Mackey interview at 630. You can find it on the podcast page later or wherever you get your podcasts because he kind of went through all the things to like about this guy and and his clutch hitting and his professional approach and his def- everything. He kind of went through the whole deal saying, really, the only question is just his, his health and can he stay healthy? So we kind of covered that part of it. Mm-hmm. In talking to Jerry at 8 o'clock, and we did a, a full 15 minutes with Jerry DePoto, he said three words that I think answer a lot of the questions that people want. And, you know, we see it every time. Fine. Salk, why aren't you going to ask him about ownership? When are you going to man up and ask Jerry about ownership? Like, we haven't done it 35 times already. Mm-hmm. Jerry's answered those questions. And quite frankly, he said everything he needed to say with the three words he said were their motto for this offseason. Find a way doesn't matter find a way and think about what we know about this offseason right where jerry and justin went into the offseason believing that they were going to be able to do x y and z with the budget Mm -hmm. and instead we're told uh no and we've talked about that quite a bit this offseason right we've talked about the importance uh or how hard it was to find out that their budget had shrunk that they were already out grocery shopping with a recipe and found out that they were going to have to make changes based on where their bank account was at. And that's not great. So I don't think I need to ask Jerry about that because, A, he's talked about it, and, B, he said everything you need to hear. Find a way. Our mantra this offseason was just find a way. Find a way to get better. And, you know, however that that exists, uh, we we did not want to move off of our starting pitching. Uh, We really believe in that group. And, you know, we managed to get to this point and, and we've not touched it. And I think that's 
that's exactly where we hope we'd land. And I think we got better. We found a way. If you think Jerry's going to come out and say, I hate my boss or something like that, that's probably not going to happen. Yep. Nor should it. I mean, if that's happening, then run for the hills. You've got, you know, a, an organization that can no longer function. This is a pretty function. I mean, it's not perfect, but they are functioning because of Jerry's ability or willingness to say, all right, this situation stinks. I don't like it. I don't want to be in the position I'm in. Yeah, I'd love to be able to have more money to go trade for, you know, Juan Soto. I'd love to be able to be in the market for Bellinger. I'd love to be able to do this, that, and the other. Sign Hector Neris. That would be great, mm-hmm. right? If they had Hector Neris and, and had just added him to this at, what, $9 million a year, whatever it was, $10 mm-hmm. million a year, mm-hmm. how much better are they? Matt Moore? Yeah, that would help. Yep. That, would, that would really ease some of the challenges that they have. But instead, they don't. So what does Jerry say? Find a way. Mm-hmm. And what he's done this offseason is transform his lineup without dealing away the the heart and soul of his pitching staff. The strength of your team, the strength of your young core, the strength of, you know, the, the, you're going to go as far as your pitching is going to go. That's just the and way that they traded yeah. Robbie Ray, Marco Gonzalez, Justin Topa and mm-hmm. Isaiah Campbell. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, yep. you gave up on Suarez. You gave up on Kelnick. I don't love those things, but. The guy they got back in the Suarez deal is projected to have a better season than Gino did. Kelnick, unfortunately, never fully realized his potential. And you get back some guys like Luke Rayleigh and now Jorge Polanco mm-hmm. that can really play. And oh, by the way, you did spend a little bit of money on Mitch Garver's another professional hitter. I don't think it's a perfect team. And with $20 million to spend, I think they could be a lot better than they are right now. I'm not letting ownership off the hook for that. Yep. But for Jerry and Justin and the baseball operations crew, I don't know what else you could have asked them to do without increasing budget to make this team better. I don't yep. I don't know what else you would have possibly wanted them to do. Yeah, I had uh, put out a tweet yesterday, and the offseason's not done, and Jerry said it's going to be a very active two to three mm-hmm. weeks here with a lot of veterans that are sitting out there, and maybe there is. Uh, you know, the opportunity sulk that the, the budget or the dollars finally makes a whole bunch of sense to, to add another arm and in, in, in innings eater or an established reliever or but because there's going to be some movement here. But I put out a tweet last night asking the Mariner fans, OK, with this Polanco deal and now the lot of hay is in the barn as far as the offseason goes, you know, how would you grade this offseason for the Mariners? Mm. And there was a whole bunch of response. Yeah, Shannon, I did this on Friday. Did you, as yeah. far as grading it? Yeah, I would grade the Mariners off season. This was obviously before the Polanco deal. C minus, mm-hmm. maybe D plus. Yep, C was the number one, forty three percent. Number two kind of was a C a B minus, D plus at thirty percent. After an a this was, deal, mm-hmm. I give him a C plus, mm-hmm. maybe a B minus, C yep. plus. How do I grade Jerry Depoto's off season after this deal? An A. Mm. I think Jerry's done an A. Not the whole team. I think we got to add Justin to that. Uh, sure, Jerry and Justin. Thank you. I give them an A. Yep. I give them an A. What baseball operations has done, given the constraints on them, is A work. That That's how good they've done. Overall offseason, C+. Plus. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's really, there's two different conversations. Yeah. Unfortunately, for the angry folks out there, there's no way to have the second one without the first. And they're rightfully angry. And ticket Understood. prices continue to go up. And Absolutely. And they're very frustrated by ownership and very frustrated with this root deal. And very frustrated with all of it. And rightfully so. But what are we going to do? Not talk about baseball because you're frustrated by the ownership? Or it the rest of the pieces going right. to find a way. So this is a perfect analogy, by the way, or a perfect time to get to analogy. And you can shoot it down if you don't like it, Saul. So. 
But uh, and Justin and Maura were really tired of me every segment yesterday, starting each segment talking about, you know, my fun time in the sun. You should be embarrassed for your day yesterday because I read what What? you complained about yesterday and we're going to have words before. Okay, we can do that at 930. That's (laughs) totally fine. But anyhow, I was talking about the sunshine and the guacamole and all this great stuff. You know, one of the things that's so intriguing to me about this this place that we stay at is some of the other guests, as you can imagine, not an introvert, an extrovert. And the guy was wearing an Oregon duck hat. So I was like, okay. Here we go. Time to have a little talk with them. Mm. And, you know, it's just fascinating. And most of the population there or the the folks are older, uh, older than we are and, and established and had their businesses and everything else. And over the years, it's been fascinating to see what people do, right? And what they have done in their life to get, you know, to enjoy a place like that. And I, I asked, hey, it's like, I'm in manufacturing. Mm. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what kind of, ma- oh, yeah, actually, I got a place down in Pueblo and a different spot. I said, what, what do you manufacture? We chop up candy. Okay. You know what? They're not the candy owner. Like the the Dodgers, they own all the candy. They're Mars candy. Like you know, we have, we have all this candy. We mm-hmm. make all this bazillions of dollars, and we can operate. And then there's others that got to find a way. You know what? I'm going to find a way. I'm going to manufacture chopping up candy for every Blizzard, right? In every McFlurry, in every Cold Stone, in every one of these companies that needs up needs chop company needs I'm take chop candy. candy at my house, by the yes. way. Yeah, I'll take and, chopped candy. And we chop it up. And you know what they've done? Unbelievably well yeah. because they found a way. Another guy, you know, was in the meat industry and you know what? He didn't own all the cattle grounds. He didn't own all of that, but he was in it long enough to know, you know what? There is a market for and a margin for meat right before it goes bad. You know, before it becomes totally spoiled, I can find this little margin. I can find a way to make a great living. If I find a way to take this meat that's near expiration mm-hmm. and find a market for it in, in great dog food or other places. Yeah, I mean, right? it, and, essentially what you're describing is the book Moneyball. Find a way. Yeah. yeah I, find a way. And it, it's a shame that they're in the position to have to do that because they shouldn't. Look, I understand the frustration. I'm not going to be mad at anybody who's frustrated today. And Shannon said this very well on Friday, Brock. She said there hasn't been a lot in this offseason for fans. There hasn't been a lot of big names. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a lot of familiar faces coming in other than obviously Mitch Haniger. It, it has not been a a a Impact. Easy, it's not been a big easy, name impact. Yeah, it hasn't been an easy to, di- to digest offseason for most mm-hmm. Mariner fans, understandably frustrated by how last year went. Totally yep. get it. Yep. Totally agree. I'm I'm right there with I'm right there with you. That doesn't make it a bad offseason. It doesn't mean they're going to be bad just because you don't know the names and I don't know that like that doesn't mean they're not good players. Yep. It just means like, oh, what's to make Polanco different from Colton Wong and Adam Frazier? Maybe sure. nothing. Yep. Maybe he does end up going in that same direction. He's got a better track record right now than those guys, but Colton Wong had a pretty good track record. Adam Frazier had, had some good years. It yep. might not work. Yep. I mean, some of that is just sort of the way it goes. But I, I got to tell you, I, given the constraints, I'm not trying to sell you on anything. I I think overall, I give him a C plus, as I told you. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what else you wanted Jerry to do. Roll back out the same lineup? I mean, I, I, a texter here says, an A, every addition the Mariners have made has been of subtraction. You acquire Hanniger and Jorge and have to give up a former Cy Young Award winner and your best bullpen arm and your number three prospect. Well, your Cy Young Award winner wasn't going to pitch until mid-August. Yeah, your arm, that hurts. There's no doubt giving up Topa hurts, but you got to give up something to get something. And you developed Topa. Yeah, I just, I, you know, Topa was a scrap heap guy they picked up elsewhere. Yep. So I don't know. I, I, 
I'm not telling you this team. I'm not going to sit here and crow about where this team is going. But I will say that their lineup is a whole lot better and deeper than it was. That was the other thing Jerry said that jumped out to me. Mm-hmm. Lineup depth and makeup. They do have more of that than they did. It's not a perfect lineup. It's not a high-impact top-five offense. But I think when the projection systems come out, they're going to like this Mariner team a little bit more than maybe fans do right now because those projection systems don't take into account the magnitude of the name. Well, those were your three words, and I totally agree with it. But there was a little anecdote in there near the end that really jumped out to me. Mm, They really resonated. Hang on. We'll get to that next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Uh, coming up in 15 minutes, I'll give you a little pros and cons and why to go or not go with any of these remaining coaching candidates for the Seahawks. I would certainly hope that we are within, what, 24 to maybe 48 hours mm-hmm. from hearing the, who this name is going to be and kind of starting that process. So we'll do that coming up at 9 o'clock. Brock, uh, we've been kind of talking through this Jerry DePoto interview throughout this hour. Uh, I spent some time in uh, the last segment talking about his phrase, find a way, which I think is a very clear answer on you know how he feels about how this offseason but isn't went. good enough money's not good enough find a way yep find a way i'm sorry very clear yep yeah he gets it he knows you know it what? he's frustrated and that sounds like a very nice coded way of saying look i get it i wish we were spending more too grandma Peg, how are you gonna feed these three boys well we're gonna just have a lot of milk and it's gonna be tater tot casseroles and we're <laughs> gonna get calories whatever way we can we're gonna find a way the one other antidote that jumped out to me mm. was near the end of it when i asked him about mitch hanniger and and it didn't surprise me. And if you put yourself in Jerry Depoto's shoes and some of the arrows that have mm-hmm. certainly come at the Mariners from, you know, uh, rightfully so, from fans that are frustrated mm-hmm. with the budget and everything else. And then some of the arrows from players and Jared in particular and others that have been shot back kind of across the fort over there at the Mariners. Not surprising when Jerry said, you know, maybe of all of the different moves and everything, the one that pleased me the most was hearing that, Mitch wanted to come back here and was pleased to come back here. Mm-hmm. And they need that. Mm-hmm. They need not you and me talking about it, not other people talking about it. They need their own talking about mm-hmm. it, that they're proud to be Mariners. And maybe in, in this case, even one that's gone away, kind of like Bobby Wagner did, right? There's kind of a Bobby Wagner vibe to a Mitch Hanniger. I, I think maybe even a, a pretty decent little parallel there. Yeah, I think that that's a good one, actually. He wasn't quite the, obviously, he's not a nine-time Pro Bowler and five-time All-Pro and Hall of Famer that Bobby is, but kind of Bobby went away and, and Mitch in free agency, you know, they went away and he went to San Francisco, but, you know, he was pleased to come back and he's pleased to be in the building and he's pleased to train. And I think from a narrative standpoint, it's really important that a Mitch Hanniger, who was one of those clubhouse leaders, is really the one to say, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, Cal, JP, come here, man. You know, I, I get it. I, I get it. I get your frustration. You know, want more impact, want more star power. But we got to find a way. Mm-hmm. And then there was one little other thing, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. And he just talked about the seriousness of which he works. And we know that. We tried to interview him. Very and it was very serious. Very. Stone cold serious. Very serious guy. <laughs> it was not a smile, not a grimace. Not I mean, he doesn't like dessert. He won't eat dessert. No, He's very, very serious. Very serious. I like that. And, and you know what a fun-loving clubhouse needs? Maybe a little dose of some seriousness. Yeah. You know? Not a bad thing. Not Bal- a bad balance little out ingredient. Julio, balance e- out e- some e- of the fun e- factor. E- yeah. E- exactly right. Yeah, I don't know. Look, I, it's going to be a fun, a fun 
thing to watch and see how this team develops. I, I was telling the guys here during the break, tell Mora and Justin and some other folks who were in here during the break, like, I, I really am I'm trying to figure out how to handle the anger from Mariner fans because I think it's deserved. I don't think that if you're texting in saying, sell the team, I'm mad, I'm not mm-hmm. mad at you. I don't think mm-hmm. you're crazy. I don't I don't think you're on a one track mind. But I, I guess what I would say is I have a job and we have a job as radio hosts to try to give you entertaining radio every day. And if you truly want me to rant every day about the Mariner budget, I don't think that's going to make for very good radio. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying because we're talking about the team that they do have and the budget that they do have that the other stuff is excusable. It's not. But we've talked about it. Wasn't we've that set kind of our the piece. whole premise of that movie. What was that movie? <laughs> right. I mean, that's what Moneyball is. That's what Moneyball is. Wasn't oh, that Major whole, League. Wasn't that whole movie kind of built around that premise? Yeah, they're going like... to be t- stripping off pieces <laughs> one by one. Yes, yeah, so of John Stanton, nice suit. Yeah. Yes, yes, they'll do they it are. after losses though. To me. Yeah, <laughs> yes. um, instead of wins. No, I, right. I look. I I I really want to find a good way to tell everyone that I we we sympathize with you. We agree with you. But we also spend four hours a day, some of us do, on this show every mm. day talking about these issues. And it'll be a ton of Mariner conversation, obviously, in a few weeks when that becomes the only game in town. And just because you didn't hear 10 minutes of anti-ownership ranting to start a segment mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we're okay with the budget where it is or the way things have gone here for the last year or so. But it means that there is a separation between the job of baseball operations and the job of the business team to get them the money. And baseball ops, given what they've had to work with this offseason, had two choices. Roll with the same team they had last year, basically, and try to just do better with the same team. Or try to do whatever they could to mix things up within the constraints they were given. I'm going to guess most Mariner fans prefer the second approach to the first. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at some notes. This was, this was like a month ago, Saul. Yeah. And these, these are going to be updated with these different moves. And as Jerry said, over the next couple of weeks, going to be still be an active market out there. I'm looking at the win totals in all the American League, the win totals. The highest right now, This again, about three weeks ago, so maybe it's outdated. Don't hold me all to all of this. The Yankees are 93 and a half. They're number one in all of, in all of baseball. The Astros, number two, 92 and a half. The Rangers, 89 and a half, number three. So, mm-hmm. you know, those are your kind of top three. After that, this is before the Polanco and, and, and some of these moves, the Mariners were at 85 and a half. Mm-hmm. That's ahead of the Angels, ahead of the A's, ahead of the Guardians, ahead of the Tigers, ahead of the Royals, ahead of the White Sox, ahead of the Red Sox, ahead of the Rays. It is right there with the with the Toronto Blue Jays, who are 86. I mean, it's 85 and a half to 92 and a half in the American League. It, there, there's no Dodgers. Right. And, and I know in your division, there's two you're looking up at. That is real, and you're not going anywhere. But it's you're not a 57 and a half. Mm-hmm. You're not a 67 and a half. You're not ownership that is tanking this team. No. You're not ownership that's saying, bury it, you know, start it all over, sink it. It's not that. You're 85, 86 and a I half. I get it, and I understand the 253. I don't think Mariners fans want a sneaky good team. They want a world-class, all-in, championship-contending team. Me too. Yep. Like yep. that. That is a given. I, I, but you want to you want to spend four hours a day talking about it? 
I mean, Salk I wants, to be, six, Salk wants to be 6'4", like 205. I I mean, he, he wants to be shredded. He wants to be able to wear any polo I, he wants to wear. I wish that my, my good friend and work wife, Brock, would stop shrinking me on the radio every day and lying about my height. But, hey, you take what you're given. Mora would you never let you can. Mora would never want to miss an alarm, okay? Mora would never want to confuse a day, you okay? You here for that, man. You really missed out when Mora, I, when Mora was I did late. listen to that song. I didn't song. miss an alarm. Good, I, just, I just I, didn't set it. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> since I wasn't in yesterday was morning, it, I didn't set my alarm for Monday, right? And last night I was like, oh, my God, I have to set this alarm because normally it's automatically set. And I was like, man, if oh, I, I would have been so happy. Oh, well, it would have been terrible. Can you imagine if nervous. a few days later I had overslept? Oh, my gosh. The Seahawks have a decision to make, and they got to make it real soon. There are three, maybe four candidates that seem to be top the list. We'll discuss them and figure out who the best one is next.